Amateur Hour. Here we are, Danny and Darren, and another great show. I'd like to say looking ahead to the draft in 2023, but it always turns out to be way more than that. And I'm also underselling it if I say just looking ahead to the college season. But this show, Danny has managed to uh, to book and produce in two incredible guests. So, D, it's one thing to be Dylan Cruz, right? I mean, we've in, in the baseball world anyway, in the, the prospect world, we've known about Dylan Cruz since, I don't know, 2016, 2015. This was a select festival player going back a long, long, long time ago. So, you know, it's one thing to be that. So we've known about him forever and a day since 2016. But we got him, and you, and you grabbed him to, to bring him in. So we've known him. We've had good interviews with him. But this Dylan Cruz is a different version. This Dylan Cruz has grown up. Not that he hadn't been in the past, but he was, he was a little bit more reserved. This Dylan Cruz has made it clear that he plans on being a good player, and he gambled on himself. And I love that because he could have been drafted in 20. He may be 1-1 coming up in next year's draft, number one overall pick. But this is also partly his team this year at LSU. I think what interests me the most it's his willingness to take this team over as a player leader. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You said it best. Like he is not the same person at all. And I got to see him last year at the sec tournament and I could see the evolution a little bit, but this guy that we just had a chance to talk to is, is a dude who's basically turned into a butterfly, right? The caterpillar phase, he shed everything and he's made like massive transitions. He wanted to go to college. You said that he moved from right field to center field last year. He's changed his swing a little bit. He's taken over as a leader. Dude's got the mustache, the flow. Like he's, he's got the whole nine yards. And the best thing he said was explaining how he didn't take the easy way. And that's made all the difference. Like he's so Robert Frost on us here and, and dives deep into that. And I loved it. I loved hearing that because it is rare. Like you said, to see a guy who bets on himself, goes to the SEC and and could be the 1-1 pick in this draft. I mean, it sounds like he had the best time of his life in college, and I'm pretty envious of, of the, all those great choices that he made. I feel like he's just really done it right. So I'm excited that we got to have him on the podcast and uh, before the big year because this is going to be a big year for him. Yeah, it's huge. I think it's fun when you go to visit his Twitter. Folks, go visit his Twitter feed because what he has pinned at the top is in fact his commitment to LSU from 2017. He's got NIL deals. There are people in Sports Illustrated writing articles about him. You could pin whatever you want at the top of your feed or let alone just your latest tweet retweeting some Digby article that someone wrote about you. But it's that one. And I love the fact that he keeps that one at the top of his Twitter feed. That's kind of the perspective that he has, uh, that he made that choice. I remember he said to us in a bio, I wrote it down, I felt the love there. And the atmosphere was amazing. That's why I committed to go to LSU. He said that to us back in 2019 in a bio questionnaire before the showcase. Now, Brock Wilkin is also on the show from Wake Forest. Cruz from LSU, Wilkin from Wake Forest, a slugging third baseman, a one-time catcher at the high school level, a very good catcher. Um, I, I think for he, he falls more into that club of what we've been lucky enough to have on the show the last couple of, of podcasts of of guy who's kind of a guy coming out of high school and then just takes it and runs with it. I mean, when you hit 40 home runs in your first two years as a college player, when you had no senior season, like you can play. I mean, and you can flat play. So for me, talking to Brock, there were many things that surprised me in there. His relationship with big name people, like big name people in the big leagues or, you know, the simplest way that he keeps in touch with his travel coach and, and didn't fail to mention anyone that's touched his life without us prompting him to do so. You know, the tie to the big leaguers is great, but the humility to mention all those great people that have touched his life, that rang really cool to me. And it's a tale of two different guys, right? You got Dylan Cruz, who's like, I'm chill, I'm relaxed. Like, you feel like he's from California. And then Brock Wilkin, the, the energy is different and it doesn't make one better or worse, but Brock Wilkin seemed to just be really excited and over the top. And, and I love to see that from him. And I love that he talked about his parents and that he's best friends with his uncle who he played for Chris Wilkin, who was drafted and played in the minor leagues and, and they made that huge transition. So I, I like to hear that journey a little bit because this guy can hit bombs. You talked about a specific game that he had last season huh. and what he did in that game and what that felt like. And 
he talked about it, but he turned the page. Like he didn't dive in. He, he didn't really, he didn't make it about himself again. So like a really selfless guy who's put in the work and has this really tight circle around him of people who are, are making him better. And again, it's, it just, again, it's showing you're going to college and you're developing and you're taking advantage of the opportunity because college has changed a lot since both of those guys have been in it. The NIL deals, you mentioned the technology, the science, the food, everything about it. I mean, Dylan Cruz went through a coaching change throughout his time so far at LSU. So it's, it's been cool. I I'm so excited that we got to know him because I didn't know a ton about Brock. And so I'm glad that we got to have him on. Also on this podcast, we'll take a piece of the the pizza pie that is Perfect Game College Baseball weekly streaming show that can be seen on Perfect Game TV. And we had on the uh, Cape Cod League MVP from this year. Wilkin was the MVP last year. This year's MVP was was Matt Shaw from Maryland. So Hunter Penson, he like slice and dice it up. This is another intelligent kid with deep thoughts like both of these guests and then what you you have 30 year scout and perfect games vice president of player personnel dumping something into our content bucket what's david ronsley sharing oh yeah so ronsley has been all over the place he's been traveling and that's nothing new for him right because we know rons likes to get on the road he likes to drive he's been to a lot of regional showcases and he is absolutely going to dive in a little bit. He, say, he told me um, maybe the fall Atlantic Coast, 13U, 14U fall Atlantic Coast as an example. I just repeated myself twice, but I'm reading what Ronsley said to me. That's all right. I know he's at some all-state games recently, too. So those are a little bit older guys. And so it'll be it'll be interesting to, to hear from that. So that, that's what we've got on this podcast. Let's, let's get it cranky. Give it a listen. We're glad you found it. And uh, make sure you keep finding it. Let's get this thing going. Danny and I tend to, and I think the world tends to, Dylan, like people that bet on themselves. We kind of started this podcast with Matt McLean, who bet on himself and went to UCLA. It worked out great for him. I know you know the name. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, you bet on yourself. You could have gone and played pro ball, and, and it would have been off and running. 20 was a wonky draft and a wonky year. Um, so now, as, as we sit here today, how, how joyful are you? How fulfilled are you that you did bet on yourself? You're not there yet. I mean, you know, you still have a lot you want to accomplish, but how joyful and fulfilled as we sit here today are you that you bet on yourself? Yeah, it was definitely the best decision I've ever made, uh, no doubt. I mean, you know, taking my name out of the draft the week before in high school, um, you know, it was a very tough decision for me. Uh, but at the end of the day, this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to go to college and uh, experience all this. I felt like this was a, you know, a time in my life where I, I couldn't miss out on. And, uh, you know, it's just been awesome here. They've been open arms with me. Um, they've had every single development, um, you know, tool and, and everything that I've needed here really to just become the best player that I could be, you know, leading up to the draft. So, um, like I said earlier, it's just been the best decision I've ever made. And, you know, I'm glad I came here. Your generation lives in noise. You just do. I mean, you guys do, whether it's through your devices, through, you know, your computers, you, your generation, and we all do now. Your generation lives in noise, though. My guess is, though, the noise that you had in 18, 19, 20, a lot of attention. You earned it. An amazing player at the prep level. I'm guessing the noise is different now. And you could choose to look at it if you want to. The noise now says maybe 1-1. One, one, and that's that's what the noise says getting older has it been able to where you kind of are able to pick and choose what you pay attention to where maybe as a senior in high school junior in high school that probably was a little harder are you able to kind of sift through that stuff now as a more mature man yeah 100 percent um you know in high school at a young as like a young kid like that it's hard to deal with all that type of stuff you know you know your life's going to change um as you're you know as a as an 18 year old kid you you know you're it's just it's just how it is but you know now that I'm going at you know the the second time around you know what I mean so like I've, I've been through this situation before I know what to what to expect how to deal with all these you know the meetings and all the you know I guess all the hype um coming around so it's just you know I'm just soaking it all in you know taking it day by day and uh you know enjoying every moment especially here too because you know, this is the best time of your life right now, and especially here at LSU. And, um, you know, I'm just enjoying it, soaking it in every single day uh, with the guys. And it's been great. It's it's, it's sorry, Danny. It, it's rare because you're in a tiny group. Now, draft eligible guys that are being thought of highly for next year. That's a large group. Now, 
it's small compared to the world, but there's a lot of guys in that room that they're thinking about. But there's a tiny, tiny group that were considered high and then years later are right there. Does that make sense? Like you actually have something that you don't, you're not supposed to get to your 40s. You actually have wisdom. You actually have a little bit of wisdom. You know what I mean? And, and, and I'm guessing you enjoy spending that wisdom on yourself. In some ways, you have to be your your unique blend. You're a bit of an old soul in this draft class. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, like I said earlier, I've I've been through all this all these situations before, know what to expect, and uh, it all starts with the, the right people around me and the you know surrounding myself with the right type of the the right people, and uh, it all goes you know back to my parents. Those are the people I lean on to every day. Uh, just you know just talking with advice and you know if I have any troubles I just go to them okay I'm gonna use a big word Darren watch out you are an Mm. anomaly right you've you bucked the trend you could have gone and gotten drafted and you could be working your way up you who knows you may have made your debut at this point there are kids in your class right who have but I want to know, like, who is Dylan, the college kid? Because you chose, you wanted the experience. And often we don't get to know who, who would Bobby Wood Jr. have been in college, right? Like, who are you as a college kid? Where are your favorite places to go on campus? What's your favorite thing to do? Like, what do you do as Dylan, just the college kid? Um, He's pretty chill, honestly. Like, everybody knows me as, like, the chill teammate who just, you know, does his thing uh, pretty even the whole day not like he doesn't have any highs or lows he's just pretty pretty even the whole day I mean part of the reason why I came here was definitely because of the food you know what I mean like they I mean I'm not going hungry here at all that's a a big thing so uh I love it you know it's a big adjustment being a being a Florida boy you know coming here and having all the you know the Louisiana food and uh it's been awesome they've been open arms with me it's just been great but uh yeah like you know, going out of high school, it, it, you know, I wanted to be a draft guy out of high school. You know what I mean? Like, I wanted to do it for Lake Mary, do it for Orlando. Um, but, you know, at the same time, I wanted to come here and experience this. So, really, I just – I took the stairs. You know, I, a lot of people – you know, I, one of my favorite sayings is, you know, some people took the elevator, but I, I took the stairs. I just – you know, I took my time with it. And uh, it's not a rush at the end of the day. So, uh, yeah, I just – you know, I'm, I'm enjoying every moment, like I said, and it's been great so far. I'm obsessed with that. That's like one of the best things I've heard in a really long time. So while you've taken the stairs, what's the experience been like? Has it lived up to what maybe you thought it would be? Um, bring us bring us with you on that walk. Yeah, no. Uh, coming on my official visits here, um, it's probably been way better than I was ever expecting it to be. Um, you know, playing in front of 12, 13,000 people every single day is, is pretty fun. And it's helped me out a lot, you know, being able to prepare for situations like in the future where I'm going to be playing in front of even, you know, way more people, you know, so I, uh, it's just been helped. It's, it's helped me out a lot, you know, with little things and even with big things. So, um, it's been great. Every step's been awesome. I'm just, it's crazy how, how fast it's flown by and, um, you know, my last year, my, my one goal is to go to Omaha and I'm just, uh, I'm soaking in every moment I can this last year. Great article in sports illustrated. Here's the quote. When I speak, people listen more. What, what is the responsibility that goes along with that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, the first two years, I feel like I had to kind of, you know, I guess earn my stripes or like earn my respect to be able to speak a little bit more. So, uh, you know, it's my last year. I feel like I've earned that kind of respect. And, you know, uh, one of my goals this year is to use my voice more. And it's been, you know, since day one, since the first day I walked in, you know, this year, um, I've used my voice and everybody's been on the train. Everybody's bought in. And, you know, that I think, you know, when I speak, people tend to listen. And even Coach Jay has told me that he's like, it, 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 it's it's more important and it it gets to more people when you speak sometimes rather than when I speak. So being a, being a leader on this team is very important to, to get to where we want to be this year. And obviously we want to get to Omaha and win the national championship. So uh, I'm trying to get out of my comfort zone as much as I can and, and uh, do what I can to, you know, get the guys all on the same train. So, so as I crave an example, understanding growing up in a locker room with my father playing in one, you know, myself, I don't, I don't want you to violate the room, but come as close as you can. Give me an example of what you're talking about since you guys got together in August and when you came back where 
you talked to one, two, or every one of your teammates where you felt it was your responsibility. I'd love an example. Yeah, I mean, it's just little things like having the guys go to dinner together, you know what I mean? Instead of having little groups of, you know, like the freshmen and, and the, the younger guys and then the older guys all sitting together, have everybody go together um, all at once to the nutrition center and eat together as a team. Or, you know, I mean, for like, for example, we here in the team meeting rooms, um, you know, after uh, practice or a game, have everybody stand up and say one thing we need to work on or something we need to improve on. And as a, you know, as a program to, I guess, fulfill our max potential to get to where we want to be um, as a team. I, I love that. I, I feel like when we talk to Jay about coming over to the program, taking over, being in the SEC, I'm pretty sure he said to me, the first thing I asked was how much eligibility does Dylan Cruz have left? Because I want to be here for that guy. What, what kind of impact has Jay Johnson had on you as a person and a player? He's made a tremendous impact on me. I mean, it's, it's crazy how, you know, things just align, you know, the way they are. I loved coach Maneri. Don't get me wrong. Coach Maneri was awesome. He, he, he allowed me to get my feet in the water at college and, you know, taught me a lot of things, but it's crazy how, you know, how th our people are just brought into your life for, for, uh, you know, certain reasons. And coach, coach Jay has been able to come in my life and help me out as a player and uh, as a person and teammate, just, uh, you know, with hitting, especially he's a hitting guy. Uh, so I've, I've learned a lot with that and, you know, just being able to go out of my comfort zone, you know, one of those things, just be, be, uh, be comfortable being uncomfortable. And, uh, you know, that's just been a, been a tremendous, you know, thing that I've been carrying around with me for, for, uh, this, these past two years. Yeah. I think you told me when I saw you last year at the SEC tournament that you shortened up your swing. Was that between years you did that? So is there anything that you have made an adjustment to at the plate this season, or is it just about kind of, um, harnessing, what you feel like is your best swing and your best presence in the box. Yeah. Um, I think really, I'm just trying to polish everything at the end of the day. I'm not trying to do too much. I'm not trying to get out of what I've been doing. Um, you know, coach Jay, he's helped me out a lot with simplifying everything, keeping everything 75%. And, uh, you know, just not trying to do too much. You know, his, his thing is seeing the ball first. And if you can't see the ball, you can't hit the ball. So really just calming your head down, seeing the ball first and, uh, you know, just trying to get your best swing off at the right pitch, you know, not trying to get out of the uh, out of the strike zone and swing at a bad pitch. Just get your pitch and, you know, just swing at the right one. Ton of events, man. Jupiter as a baby in 17 and 18, then Jupiter as a senior in 19. Uh, USA, a couple of golds, if I'm not mistaken, and you had a great experience this summer. But I want to mainly go back to your high school age group. Uh, were you able to have a, a bit more of an instant impact at LSU and make that decision more confidently because you played the level of travel ball you did? And, and as I said, PG, USA, you did other things. But, you know, with, whether it be with the Scorpions at Jupiter a couple of times, do you feel like taking on that travel ball, that challenge, has allowed you to maybe step a little further quickly in college? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, I'm sure you remember as a, as a 2020, I was always playing uh, in the 2019 in class I was always playing up throughout, throughout the whole through freshman year through junior year until they they graduated and then I played 2020 in my last year but uh yeah it's, that helped me out a lot because I was uh, you know coming in as a freshman here at LSU I was known as the guy who took his name out of the draft to come to school so um you know there's a lot of expectations uh that I needed well you know that I needed to kind of like fulfill so but really at the at the same time I've experienced all this stuff like I said earlier like I've, I've been through all this uh you know playing up um I guess you know living around the hype and and uh fulfilling all these expectations but um it's been great you know I've I've adjusted to it tremendously and you know just really did my thing and soaked it all in who'd you hit your first college home run off of <laughs> gotcha uh, yeah, I can't. He's one of my teammates now. He's he's unbelievable. <laughs> Come on, man. Say his name for us. We'll let uh, you love on him. I love he, the folks. He hit it off of Paul Skeens. His yeah. first college home run was off of Paul Skeens. Now, folks, he, he got on his first college game three times. 
but his second game, and it was in the ninth inning. It was late in that game. He hit it off of Skeen. So I like that bit. That's a fun bit. It worked. I got to laugh. Now tell me what kind of dude he is. I rarely ask about anybody. We love Paul. Do that. I we rarely ask Paul. about other teammates. I usually focus on you guys only. But I got to know your perspective on Paul, man, as a teammate. I love Paul to death, man. He is awesome. He's a he's a great teammate, a great person. You know, when he, he comes in here, he's one of the hardest workers I've ever seen, first of all. Like, comes in here and just gets it done, gets after it. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just – like I said earlier, it's crazy how – how uh you know pe- how the people are brought into your life for a reason and I, I've learned so much from him uh you know as a as a teammate and as a player he just works so hard and I'm, I'm you know I'm just glad to have him a part of the team and you know just I'm really happy he's on my side and, and not a, on a, another team so <laughs> he's in your oh book though gosh. he is in your book though that's all we'll just leave it at that Sorry, uh, we talked to Paul last year, but we were a big fan, big fan of Paul and, and obviously Jay Johnson, big fan of the transfer portal too. We saw all that, right? Uh, Tommy white, uh, when you saw him and his name come through knew that that guy was going to be on your team, he earned Tommy tanks. I mean, you gotta be excited yeah. to have him on your side, right? Oh yeah. Without a doubt. That kid has some of the craziest power I've ever seen. I, I mean, he just generates so much power through the zone and it's unbelievable, but, uh, you know, that's another guy that I kind of pick, pick his brain on, you know, with hitting and everything like that. Um, you know, he's just a great kid, great teammate, uh, you know, bought in, um, you know, I guess lived around the hype, like at, you know, for, as a freshman and, uh, you know, just soaked it all in. He, he's never let that get to him once. He's just the same old person since the first day he's walked in. My last one for you, as you mentioned, so you're walking around campus, you are well-fed, Coach is definitely not letting you guys probably be hungry at any moment of the day. So when Darren and I come visit campus and see you, where are you taking us? Is it on campus? Is it off campus? Like, what are we eating? What does it look like? Like, paint us a picture. Take us with you. Ooh, we can go in all sorts of directions. If you're looking for, like, uh, some good sandwiches, we can go to Phil's Oyster Bar. We can go to Sammy's. We can go to, uh, man, there are so many different places here. Like, whatever you want, they have it here. And it's whatever you're thinking, it's times 10 here. It's unbelievable. So you won't go hungry, that's for sure. And maybe our good friends at Louisiana National Bank can buy our meal, right? Good good (laughs) friends and partners. (laughs) Yeah. I love it, man. I love the NIL. You're out there a little bit. That's got to be fun for you, you know? I mean, I had jobs when I was in college. They were different. But it allows you guys to to do a little work, to grow your your enterprise a little bit. You got to love that part of your game now. 100%. 100%. Yeah, I, I love that uh, college athletes are getting paid now. You know, it helps us out a little bit and, uh, you know, just makes things a little bit more fun, you know, just kind of going out there and using your name as, you know, as a, as a brand, you know, you know, trying to get out there a little bit more using social media and all that good stuff. So, you know, it's a new era now and, uh, you know, we're taking it to the fullest and, you know, having a great time. Yeah, you're at the right program. We want to thank Louisiana National Bank, Go Enterprises, <laughs> and Boot Up Customs because they are Wait. all, they are all, I, I got to get some of those, I got to have him do me some Oxford dress shoes, your boy at Boot Up <laughs> Customs, by the way. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. What's your weight, Pete? Sorry. Wait, what, did you guys have the boombox last year? Did you have the boombox deal? Yeah, we had a giant boombox uh, as our home run celebration. Well, actually, it was like every single run that we scored. It, it, at first, it was a home run and and then we just made it to like whatever. Every time we scored, it was just a giant boot box coming out the out the dugout. <laughs> I love nice. it. Oh, it's so good, Dylan. We can't thank you enough. We're stoked for this season, man. But but even more so for you to to be able to lead this team. It looks like it, it's it's going to be a great year for you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you guys. Well, you've already heard a little bit of maturity on this podcast. It's interesting. A 20-year-olds just bring a different game than they did a generation ago. I don't want to say back when I was young because that was two generations ago, but 20-year-olds just bring a different game now. I mean, they really, really do. And and listen, just listen, Perfect Game College Baseball, it's found, it drops a brand new one every Thursday on Perfect Game TV, but it's archived on Perfect Game TV. Hunter Pence is my co-host, and he and Matt Shaw started diving in on approach, diving in on hitting, diving in on the college experience. I got lost. I got lost in this conversation. Here's a little bit 
Hunter Pence and Maryland's Matt Shaw. Shaw, the reigning MVP of the Cape Cod League, talking hitting. Matt, that, that is like a fascinating story because, I mean, obviously most of the, the players in the Cape Cod League will go on to be in the minor leagues and there's some tremendous talent. But can you describe the experience for you being a kid that would go and watch the, the Cape Cod games? And, um, you know, the, the legend is I've never seen a Cape Cod game, but I've seen the movies and like, you know, I know all the players that went there, the history. I study it. I love it. What did it feel like for you to go and play in the league that you watched as a kid growing up? Uh, you know, to me, it kind of just felt like playing baseball still, um, you know, being up there, being close to home, having my family able to uh, come watch me play is awesome. Um, you can't really get better than that. It was only about two hours from my house. Uh, but, you know, playing on the Massachusetts high school fields is, is uh, you know, is nothing new to me. Um, so I enjoyed it. Uh, I enjoyed being up there. And, um, you know, baseball is, is kind of the same game, you know, all the time. So, uh you know, being able to be up there and just playing the game that I've played for the last 16, 17, 18 years of my life is is um, awesome. Yeah, that definitely is awesome. And, and what you were able to accomplish was awesome. And reading some of it, a couple of the things intrigued me. Obviously, watching your swing is uh, – uh, I have a lot of things to dive into that. But one of the things you mentioned uh, was, was your conversations with your teammates. And one of the best things about the Cape Cod League is obviously the talent from around the nation uh, coming together. But can you talk to me a little bit? You, you mentioned how approach was one of the things you learned and you discussed with your teammates. And obviously, uh, you know, the MVP of the league, you won the league, uh, the numbers speak for themselves, Matt. But can you tell me a little bit about the process of, of, of that success that you had this summer and what that approach was and what some of these conversations was? And uh, and I'm sure that it was a dynamic approach and, and, and not just one, but I would love to hear through your uh, lens what that was. Yeah, so I'm pretty obsessed when it comes to approach. Um, you know, there's a lot of great swings, but you know, obviously, as we all know, baseball is a mental game. Um, and being able to be up there and, and kind of talk approach to the guys was awesome. Uh, so personally, I'm, I'm a big proponent of sitting on pitches, guessing pitches, whatever you want to call it. Uh, different counts, I think they're going to throw different pitches, you know, um, if you watch baseball enough, you know, you kind of have a good feel even just as a viewer of, okay, this guy might want to go to this pitch in this situation, et cetera. Uh, so that's kind of where a lot of our conversation started was talking about sitting pitches. And then, um, as the season progressed, we started to talk more. Uh, we were lucky enough to have, um, Salta Lamakia, Jared, as, uh, our bench coach who's, you know, sitting there and, and able to give us some insight, which is really cool. And um, as the summer went on and, and conversations continued, uh, I was just able to really um, kind of set in stone a plan and approach uh, every day that that was able to work. Um, and, you know, everyone's different. You know, everyone has their, their different little things that they like to do. But for me, if, if I go up there and I know what pitch I want to sit on, I know what zone I want to hit in, um, I know where they want to attack me, I know where their their pitches work the best, I know if they're sinking, if they're cutting, et cetera, um, then I know I'm going to have a pretty good chance at being successful. I, I don't know if it's true. My, my sources have not confirmed with me, Brock, but are you the mayor of Rake Forest? Like, are you? <laughs> um. <laughs> I'll, I'll probably have to say maybe, but probably not. Um, you know, we got we got a lot of dudes that can really hit this year, um, especially last year, year before that. You know, that's we, we take that crown as a team and we take it, you know, we take it personally. We had two days we were, we, in today's lift. We had a we had a Halloween lift and we called ourselves Rake Forest. A dude dressed up as a rake and a dude dressed up as a tree. So, uh, you know, we take we, we, we take that crown seriously around here. Oh, I love that. That's a great answer. A really good answer. But I, I think that, I mean, I, I know I'm very interested to hear about your development and how you've, you've grown into your own. And so I would love if you could take me into the box with you and, and describe why your approach works for you and, and what are some of the little things that you do to find success against some of the best pitching in the country at the college level? Yeah. Um, so, you know, in the box, um, first I'll start off, you know, 
when I go bad is when I start to, you know, really overthink things and, you know, try to try to do too much in the box and, you know, try to outthink pitchers and what they're going to throw here. And so, you know, what, what makes me really good is when I just don't think and I can just go react and I can just go hit, um, you know, and I don't have to sit on certain pitches. And then, you know, if I sit on one pitch and then I don't get it, you know, am I, am I still going to be ready for a strike? Um, so, you know, my approach of getting back to, um, you know, crushing the baseball is, you know, seeing a strike, hitting a strike. And my approach is from the 400 sign to our scoreboard, which is in right center, um, you know, seeing, seeing how hard I can hit 110 line drive in between that area. Um, so, you know, that's, that's my approach. And that's what makes me really good is, you know, I'm locked in on that area. Um, and, you know, once I start to go bad, stink, things start to leak towards the left side of the field. Um, so, you know, that's when, that's when things start to go bad, but I'm really good. Um, my power alley is really into the right center gap center field, um, and even to left center some as well. Really quick. I'll tell you. Really no, quick, jump D. in there. Yeah. yeah. When you say don't think, cause we hear that a lot. There's nothing, there's nothing up there. Is it radio? Is it white noise? Is it a song? Is it positive affirmations or is it literally there's nothing happening besides focus? Um, so I think, I think there's a couple of different things, you know, as a good hitter, I think you have to have supreme confidence. I think as a really good baseball player, you have to have supreme confidence. Um, you know, that's not mixed with arrogance. Um, I think those two kind of get intertwined a little bit. Um, but, you know, I think having supreme confidence in yourself at all times and in your ability, um, in your ability with your approach, your swing, your mechanics, you know, all that, um, I think is, is really profound for myself. Um, but also I read this article, it was kind of really intrigued me actually. And I did a little bit more research into it, but it was a study on the Marines and when they go for long periods of time on these long plane flights and, you know, they're having to do all these crazy missions and they tell themselves, um, don't think, don't think, don't think, don't think over and over <clears throat> until they can just fall asleep or until their mind is completely clear. Um, and that's actually helped me sleep at night, you know, when my mind's just running, running, running <coughs> and in the box, um, you know, it really helps me to slow everything down, you know, especially in those big moments where I'm just telling myself, don't think, don't think, don't think. And, you know, it just allows me to go hit and just go be the hitter that I know I can be. It's interesting. How tall are you? Uh, six, four and a half. And you, so, so the reason I asked that is, is in watching some of your video, you use every ounce of that height and For that sure. leverage. You stand tall and a weird comp. I almost feel like I'm watching when Cal Ripken used to hit. He stood so tall and he's a tall guy like you, right? Mm -hmm. On the left side of the infield guy like you. But I see that. I see you standing tall. I see you slightly open. I see your feet pretty close together. And I see, boy, your bat is coiled and ready to explode. So you, you told Danny the, the 400 signs of your scoreboard mechanically what are some things that need to happen mechanically for you to stay in that that tunnel of 400 to the scoreboard yes yeah, so some things mechanically um that that make me do that is um you know getting into a good postured position um when i hit um and that posture position is different for every single guy um but you know mine is hinging at the hips and riding that hinge out until foot strike and, um, you know, not letting a single ounce of energy leak onto the, you know, the left side of the field. So keeping all my momentum, all my energy going towards center field is, is how everything works and how everything flows in the natural way that it does for me to al allow myself to stay to that center, right center power alley. Brock, I don't know if anyone told you, but you're not supposed to hit 17 home runs as a freshman in your conference. It's really not supposed to be done. Um, I guess they didn't text you in advance that that wasn't supposed to happen. Why were you comfortable early on in college? You had no senior season, really. I mean, your eight games, you, you homered a bunch in your eight games, but no one had a senior season, a true senior season. So, so why were you able to have that impact in year one? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. You know, it was, it was, I wouldn't say it was an easy transition, um, but, you know, just the, the teams and the coaches that I've played for really allowed me to make that, that transition from college, from high school to college, just a little bit easier than it should have been um, for most people. And then, you know, my teammates that year were just 
unreal too. Um, you know, we didn't have the success that we wanted to, but you know, when, when you're hitting around guys like uh, Bobby Seymour, Chris Lanzilli, Shane Muntz, um, you know, guys like that, it allows, you know, myself to just take a lot of the pressure off myself. And, you know, those guys are amazing hitters as well. So it really allows me to just, you know, go play the game. There's no pressure on it, especially as a freshman, you know, there's, there's no expectations of yourself um, or from anyone else. So it's really easy for, I think, the younger guys to, to go out there and play. And that's why, you know, another reason I love Coach Wall is because he loves the younger guys. He loves to push those younger guys out um, to play, you know, and that's his big motto. And, you know, I'm really fortunate and grateful for him and the coaching staff for me to, you know, for them allowing me to get that opportunity. It sounds like you you have a really good group of people around you that have helped support you. And as that was such a good question, by the way, Darren, I literally wrote it down. I was like, that's a great guess. Yes, you get an A plus for the podcast today. I wrote it down. And and I think that when you're able to be so comfortable and you're able to find that success, it's often because you do have a good support system as well. And you were sharing with us about your uncle, Chris Wilkin, who drafted by the Orioles, played through the minor league leagues um you went and played for him in high school and I could imagine it's an interesting dynamic when you're playing for your family but also somebody who has so much experience and knows what it's like to be drafted to play in the minors so what did you take away from the experience whether it was a a hard lesson learned but also an important lesson learned maybe they're both um it was it was definitely both um you know when I first got there it it wasn't easy um you know I was the youngest guy by far on the team um I you know I I get to school and I turned 14 um you know a month before school started um so you know and then obviously playing for my uncle was obviously tough you know I'm probably one of the better guys out there um for the younger age groups so you know going out there and going through that process wasn't easy um you know but he made sure that it wasn't easy on purpose um to really teach me a lot of lessons uh and you know I'm very grateful for him and my child ball coach Jimmy Osting um with Ostinger's Baseball Academy um you know those two guys really developed me and made me the player that I am today um you know it really that was you know another easy transition from high school to college was because those guys I had in my support system um so, you know, I really give all my credit to those two guys, um, you know, with playing ability, playing success um, and, you know, helping just me mature along the way. How do you lean on your experience with the Ostingers? I know Darren and I were talking about it before we got on. You know, we, we saw them in Jupiter uh, the year before walk off win at WWBA. I mean, it's an incredible program with with such great talent that comes through but you mentioned Jimmy so how how has that experience lent its hand to your success in college yeah you know Jimmy is Jimmy is one of the best out there for sure and it's, it's not even close um you know just with everything that he does hitting pitching fielding um and just how he runs his organization and I really love how he runs his organization because I played with the same group of guys from the same county for four years um, you know, nowadays in travel ball, that really doesn't happen. You know, you got guys uh, flying in from all over the country. You guys, you know, they never practice. Um, and that was one of the things that that Jimmy really harped on was team culture, you know, team building. And some of my best friends are from that from that team. You know, like my, my one of my greatest friends, Grady McGuire, you know, we're inseparable. Um, and, you know, just to go along with that, the the amount of talent that we played in those tournaments were just outstanding as well. So, you know, when you have all this bundled up, it becomes much easier for you to enjoy the game, you know, make meaningful relationships with your guys. Um, and then, you know, it just makes it a little bit more fun, makes it a little bit more easy. So you can just go out there and play and there's, you know, no stress and the game is the game and, you know, winning is, is what we do there. So. Yeah, we love Jimmy. We're big Jimmy fans. He's he's big, a, he's a good man. Yeah, we really like him. He got a good one this year, by the way, in Arjun Namala, but multiple good players. But uh, you For two sure. guys might have your name called together on the same night. That, that'll be pretty cool. Um, I want to ask you about Katie and Josh, your parents, because when I hear that a young man moves 
to a place, another part of the country from the Carolinas down to Florida. And part of the reason is the sun. That means the parents are sacrificial. That means I'm guessing that the sun is quite aware of the sacrifices that go into that. Um, but anecdotally, anecdotally, just tell me a little bit about Katie and Josh, a story or two about your parents. Yep. Uh, um, my parents are awesome. You know, I'm, I'm such a homebody that, um, you know, I, I'm a very individualized person and I, I have, you know, my own things that I can do and I don't mind being away from home. Um, but when I am home, I spend, you know, as much time as I can at home because, um, that's just who I am as a person. Um, you know, they, they raised me to be a strong, independent man. Um, and, you know, that um, family comes before anything else. Um, and that was, you know, one of the biggest strong points um, growing up. And, you know, my dad um, was tough on me because I was the oldest of three boys. Um, you know, I got two younger brothers at home. So I had to really set a good example um, for those, for those, for my younger brothers growing up, um, you know, that was, he made me really mentally tough. And, you know, at the time, you know, being a teenager, I'm like, man, my dad sucks, you know, but you know, sure. I can look back, I can look back at it now and be like, man, you know, I, I really do appreciate my dad and my mom for being in my corner every step of the way. And, you know, that sacrifice that they made moving us from, you know, 650 miles away was unbelievable. And it was, the biggest single ask ever. Um, and, you know, I am so grateful and I just can't wait for the day that, you know, I can, I can repay them. I can imagine. So May 7th, um, kind of a crazy day, right? You guys are playing Louisville and you guys are toe to toe and it's a three to two game. And then you just decide that you're just going to change the face of the game in a three inning span. Um, two-run homer, two-run homer slam, right? You had eight of the next nine RBIs for your team. That doesn't write your whole resume, right? One good, one good broadcast doesn't make my resume, but those are moments that I file away, big moments I've had, Danny has, you know, you. Um, what does a day like that mean, you know, besides the whole dig me part of it, which you should dig yourself after a day like that, but you, know, you look back on a day like that, it's Louisville, right? I mean, you're Wake Forest, but that's Louisville, so yeah. I can say both. Um, days like that are special. They don't come along very often. That had to be a special night's sleep as you dozed off at night after that day. Yes, yes, sir. It, you know, it, it definitely was. Um, but, you know, as, as soon as the game was over and after dinner, um, and I told myself, you know, we got a series to win. Um, and, you know, that was against the number seven team in the country at the time. And like you said, it is Louisville. Um, so, you know, that was that was a huge game for us and we needed it really badly. Um, but, you know, I just told myself we have a series to win. You know, I got I to go do everything I can the next day. Today's in the past. Um, tomorrow's in the future. So, you know, leave those for what it is and just go win um, the next day. Um, so, you know, it, it was great. It was a great feeling. Um, and it was awesome because um, Gavin Sheets, former former alumni of Wake Forest, was was down in the fall. And um, I hit two homers in the inter-squad game. Um, and I tried to hit a third. And, you know, as I, I fly out and he goes, anyone can hit two. So, you know, I, I text him, give him a little crap after the game. I said, anyone can hit two in quotation marks. So, you know, I'm thankful for that relationship as well. You just, you know, him being able to take me under his wing a little bit. And, um, you know, I'm glad that I have that relationship as well. But, you know, it was a great day. But, uh, you know, just had, had to win the next one for sure. You get it, by the way. You get it. You just told me earlier that I asked you a good question. That's a good answer because <laughs> you answered it. But then the, the sheets part, that makes it a great answer. That's a promo Danny can use now. That's a really good answer. Yeah, it is. It's really good. I, I feel like you're very energetic. I feel like you're very in tune to you know who you are and what you want to be. The amount of people that you've already mentioned in the 15 minutes we've spent with you, like all these good people in your life, like it, for you, like, because I think you, that rubs off on you. And, and then in turn, you become that good person and you take that a little bit. So looking back at maybe the, the hard moment of moving from home and, and then playing for your uncle and, and now in college where there's always going to be some ups and downs, like what would you say to your high school self, your very young high school self who maybe was nervous or overwhelmed or didn't know if it was all going to work out? What do you say to that kid now? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to name drop a, a couple other guys that helped me along this way. Um, you know, that kind of made me into the person I am. 
Um, I'm going to first start off with Richie Martin, um, former baseball player at University of Florida, now plays for the Baltimore Orioles. Um, I've known him since I was eight years old. He actually played for my uncle, and he's taken me under his wing since I was eight years old. And um, that is one of my guys. You know, I can I can go to him and be like, hey, man, you know, how do I handle this situation? What do you think about this? Um, and, you know, he'll shoot me straight because that's what he's done since I was eight years old. Um, and to go along with that is, you know, rookie of the year, home run derby champ, Pete Alonzo. Um, he's also from Tampa and we work out at the same place. And, you know, once, once we finally start to work together, um, you know, he's texting me at 8, you know, at the night before he's like, Hey, 8 a.m. tomorrow, you're going to be there. I'm like, I'm there, you know? So, you know, a couple, a couple of those guys like that, you know, really helped me become the person I am today. Um, and, you know, I really am thankful for everyone. And there's an endless amount of people that, you know, I could go on and thank forever. Um, but, you know, going back to your question, you know, I think I tell myself that the work's never done um, and to keep going because the job is never done. The job is never finished. And, uh, you know, you still got something to prove. So that's just the always the chip I've always had on my shoulder. And I think, you know, even now, I think I would still go back and tell my high school self, you know, work's not done. You know, you've you've accomplished some things, but the work's not done. You got to keep going and keep going and keep going. So, yeah, that that's that's my answer. That's an amazing answer. It's a, it's a phenomenal answer. You've you've done such a great job. This is this has been a great twenty minutes getting to know you. Uh, thank you so much, Brock, for your time. And, and honestly, we can't wait to see you crush baseballs this season. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. We like to ask scouts to open up their notebooks and in this case, their hard drives and, and share with us, David Ronsley, who's been a scout for gosh, uh, three, three and a half decades. And he's perfect games. Vice president of player personnel has seen so much baseball and still has that youthful passion and wisdom and a great eye for seeing the game. He kind of wanted to share with us, and that means you, the concept of a regional showcase. In other words, maybe you're going to a showcase for the first time. Maybe you've played well for your high school team or for your youth team that travels around, and you want to see where you stand amongst the whole country, get your profile page built up. Maybe your goal is to get to a national showcase. So David's there with his wisdom, his scouting. He's going to kind of peel back some players that he's seen and kind of give the explanation of, of what and why that regional showcase may impact some players and who knows, maybe change the journey of some of these athletes. David, up and up that scout's notebook. Let's see it through your eyes. Danny, as you know, when I see you, it's always at a, a big event. It's at the PGA All-American game. It's at a festival. It's at the national showcase, the underclass national. You know, those big events are the things that get on PGTV, get all the attention. They're, they're almost all invite-only events, but there's a huge mass of events that exist on the the lower levels of the showcase circuit and, and we refer to them um, informally as our regional showcases and we have them basically three times a year in you know late may early june at the end of the high school season august is just completely full of them as as the big tournament summer tournaments are ending at the end of july the players are freed up a bit from their travel teams and then again, after Jupiter here in late October and early November. Um, in fact, I'm in a stretch of four and four weeks right now. I was in Hoover two weeks ago. I was in, I have, it's hard to remember. I was in High Point last week and I'm in Houston. I fly off to Houston tomorrow morning and I'm in Dallas uh, the weekend after that. Um, and as our lead showcase scout, I probably go to 12 to 15 regional showcase weekends a year. And each regional showcase is generally a combination of a 13-14 U event for the younger players and then a underclass or uh, an event for the older players. And they generally get about 80 to 120 players. Um, so we really get the whole variety. For a lot of them, it's their first PG showcase experience. And that's really kind of an important part of it. Um, these are players that have gone to PG showcases. I mean, PG tournaments, they play with their summer teams. Um, whether it's in a smaller tournament or down in Atlanta or, or Florida or wherever. Um, and they get exposed to perfect game. They find out their parents find out more. They find out more and they want to get their numbers, their individual numbers. And of course, for mo many of them, it's, 
it's the best way is to go to a regional showcase. And we have so many of them. I've tried to think, looked at the map, and I bet you there's only, unless you live in Alaska or Montana or parts of Wyoming, you're within a, a 500 mile drive of a PG regional showcase. There's no place in the country that we don't, we don't have them, um, except for the two areas I mentioned. I, there's no, there's no desire to ever, ever have a uh, Alaskan showcase for some reason. We did have one in Hawaii this year though. So somehow I didn't get invited to that. But, but again, getting back to the concept, it, it's to get these players and a lot of them are the younger players. The 13, 14 you part of the event is really big um, we see a lot of players that are just adjusting from the smaller fields to the larger fields. That can get difficult. But as I'll mention with some of these examples, we have some very talented 27 players, you know, eighth graders who right after the event, we're getting those names to Jeremy Brown to get on the national invite list. So, so it's all part of the process to build up to these bigger events, to get these kids the attention, especially the very kids they want for, for their potential college careers and just generally, as Jerry Ford would say, grow the game. But uh, that that's it about the regional showcases. Let me dive into the four players that I mentioned. And from this is from last week in, in, in High Point, uh, North Carolina. The, we had about 80 players there, six teams worth, and uh, you know, split between the different age groups. And what I'm going to do is highlight a player from each class, a, a 2024, a 2025, a 2026, and a 2027 and sort of highlight the player a bit, but also why that type of player is beneficial for them to go to a PG regional showcase. I'll start with the 2024 Cole of 80 from Wilmington, North Carolina. He's a primary right-handed pitcher, but from what I understand, he hasn't played for a big national travel club because he wants to play shortstop and he's a good shortstop. He's like a PG eight grade shortstop. Somebody who can play junior college, NAIA D2, but on the mound, he is a definite Division I guy. He has no commitment, please keep in mind. Um, he was 87-89 with just a gorgeous arm action, good curveball, good change, a perfect arm action to add a power slider, and, and he's a guy that, that can pitch almost at any D1 school in the country. Uh, he's going to get bigger and stronger, and he's athletic, and I have no doubt that next year he'll be throwing 90 to 93 with more power to the breaking ball. And uh, so Cole Avati from, from Wilmington, North Carolina, is a guy who, on basis of that showcase, might even jump into a, oh, I'm going to be considered for national showcase next year. The 2025 is a, a big right-handed pitcher by the name of Luke Heaps, 6'5", 170 pounds, and boy, he's still growing into his body. It's a long, long, lean body. He's from Apex, North Carolina, by the way. And he, he was up to 84 this fastball, was really impressive spinning the ball, close to 2,500 spin rate on his curveball. But if he did a few things with his delivery, my gosh, he'd be in the upper 80s right now. And we're, we're talking about a kid who might still be 15 years old, 6'5", 170. He has the potential to really take a jump. I don't know whether he's ever had a good pitching coach, but when he does, he could take off. And he's a guy that maybe not this year, but next year is going to start getting into those coaches, you know, onto their foul list and get into the recruiting cycle. Uh, the 2026 I wanted to mention is a shortstop from Ohio. He had a seven-hour drive. We talked to his family there named Matthew Mansbury. And Matthew, you know, a freshman, 6'1", 145 pounds, all of it in his legs, very high-waisted young man. But he could play – High-level college defense, I think, right now at shortstop. Just an outstanding defensive shortstop. Has all the actions. Um, a good enough arm now that's just going to get better. But he was just a joy to watch play shortstop. And, and any college program in the country, they're going to want to have that level of defense um, at shortstop. He wasn't on our map before. He's going to be on our map now. I have no doubt that we will be getting him to some big-name events in the future, but, but he was very impressive and colleges will definitely pay attention to him pretty early in the recruiting cycle. The 2027, very interesting guy with, with the eighth graders and with the freshmen, you get a lot of players who still play multiple positions. They really haven't settled on the position. Um, Jalen Moore from Winston-Salem, North Carolina, about 5'11", 140 pounds, a lot of growing to do still, but he's a primary shortstop. That's where he's listed. That's where he worked out. But then we gave him two innings on the mound, and he was up to 
to 79, which is very good for an eighth grader. But the impressive thing was the spin rate on his curveball. As you know, we're not using spin rate guns at every showcase, even the regional showcases. But we had an eighth grader throw on over 2,500 spin rate curveballs. And that's, I haven't talked to Jeremy about whether he runs into that much. I certainly haven't, um, but very athletic kid. Yeah, he could develop as a shortstop. But I think Jalen Moore is going to be a, a very good right-handed pitcher just based on what I saw and what that spin rate told me about, about his arm. So those, those are an example of four guys who different age levels, different stages in their development, different stages in their college recruitment process that can benefit from a regional showcase. And I said, I'm going to be getting on a plane and going down to Houston, Texas tomorrow and uh, try to find some more of them. What excites me the most about all of this and looking back on it is, and again, like we, we were talking to the guy that probably is the number one overall pick, so I don't want to slight him, but it was Brock Wilkin without being asked. We asked him about his uncle and we should have. Guy was a pro and it's his dad's brother, uh, Chris, but we didn't even ask him about his travel coach and he mentioned his travel coach. Now, most guys are glad to talk about their travel coaches when you mention them. But he makes it clear that without Jimmy Osting, I'm not where I am. I think, I think for me, in a weird twist of all this great stuff that we were able to learn in these two interviews, that may be my favorite moment. Him mentioning the fact that, that without Jimmy Osting, he's not having an impact in college this quick. I love that. Well, it's so funny because he said it, right? He's like, travel teams are so different now. There are guys who are flying in. You don't necessarily practice together. The chemistry is there, but it's not quite like when you spend four years with the same group of guys. I know that I did that. I played travel ball for almost a decade and the, that was my family thick as thieves and you can't imagine life without them. And then on top of that, mentioning Jimmy and what that program has meant to him and what he's done for him. I mean, you can just tell like, the roots are deep and he doesn't take it for granted. What, what travel ball has meant to him. I mean, you and I were just coming off Jupiter a couple of weeks ago and get to see really the impact the travel ball has on these guys and why at the end of it, you see guys tearing up and crying and, mm -hmm. and getting emotional because that is the people that they grow with for better or worse. They see every side of you and they love you anyway. And that's really rare to find. So I, I totally agree. I love that he mentioned Jimmy. He was the captain, by the way, of that Ostingers team when, when he played for it. And, and then, of course, with, with Cruz, again, just the maturity that he's shown. I'm excited for him to be a leader and for his voice to matter because, I, I in my very humble opinion, I think that he has a voice that a lot of people would be interested in hearing. And I think that he's earned the trust of Jay Johnson to use it. And I'm excited to see how far this team can go. I know that. They had some, you know, I think they had a lot of injuries last year. They, they've got some buildup this year. Jay Johnson in his second season in the SEC. Like, there's a lot of excitement around the team, as Dylan talks about. But uh, don't forget, he's always well-fed. He's really well-fed. That's the lesson here, that no matter what, Dylan Cruz is well-fed. So that's what I took away from this podcast. Yeah, he's well-fed. I took that away. He's well-fed. But it's like there's a budget that goes into that well-fed if, if the university's feeding them, right, in their athletic budget. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of lean proteins. That's a lot of spinach yeah. and vegetables because you can eat all day long, that kind of stuff. I, no fried I, chicken. I'm not, I'm, I'm not seeing him, you know, grab a case of Natty Light and a bunch of candy bars on a Friday night. His body, his face doesn't look like that. So, yes, no. he's eating a lot. He's eating a lot, but he, it, but it's the right kind of thing. He, he, my, my, my final thing on, on Cruz is this. Like, we live in a generation, even I know how to use this. As old as I am, even I know how to use my smartphone for our listening people. Um, I know how to, when I get bored, you know, swipe through TikTok brainlessly. I know how to, you know, check out tweets as crazy as that can be and, and all that goes into it. Trying to just keep it at trying to keep it at sports only in, in today's world. But um, what I also know is that young people communicate really well. I mean, we all don't get it, us older generation folks. You know, why wouldn't you just send a text? Why don't you make a phone call from a landline? Like, we understand that you communicate through Snapchat. You have streaks with people through Snapchat. I get all that. And it's you guys, your generation, Dylan Cruz's generation, that's kind of paving the way that communication is done. That being said, do put your phone down and come to dinner with your teammate. I love that. Mm. I love that so much. Oh, We're not yeah. going to just snap. We're not going to zip a Snapchat to each other. That's great to have a streak going and that's all well and good. 
but we're actually going to sit and break bread together. Somebody may even offer a blessing before we start. I don't know. But we're going to sit. We're going to eat. We're going to talk. We're going to tease each other. We're going to be dudes together. We're going to talk about, you know, whatever girl we might have seen. We're going to be human beings together. And I give so much credit for a younger man like that to Kim and George's parents. I give now he's got to decide to take that advice and guidance, but I give a ton of credit to his parents. So you did it with this one, Danny. It's a great podcast. And uh, make sure you subscribe to us because this is uh, with what Danny's done with this and these conversations we have, man, the conversations get better and better. I don't know if you can get better than one, one as Jackson holiday recent said to me on an interview about his younger brother, but I think we'll keep trying. I think we had our one, one on, but we keep trying. I, I, I'm at a loss for words. I think you might've lost everyone when you said the word landline, but I looked past it because you talked about a Snapchat streak. So now you're just all over the place with your technology here, but you said it so well, please follow. I have no landline in my home and you can't follow us and you can't subscribe. You can't like on your landline. If you want to do that, you can't do that. Okay. Use your smartphone. This isn't, this isn't AM radio. You, you, You can't do that as much as I miss it. All right. See you later. That's enough. Goodbye, everybody.